truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre, and Todd Erzin joining me as well. If you'd like to join us too, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393, steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program for those of you listening via radio or podcast. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We are now 13 days away from the Iowa caucuses. So we're going to bring in an old friend of the program. He's been with us before, and he probably knows more about this process than any person that has ever lived. And his name is David Yepsen. And if you have been following uh, politics, you've, you've seen him on cable news for years. He's semi-retired now. But because we used to work together, and he doesn't totally hate me, we can convince him a couple of times a year to come in and, and provide his wisdom because he's one of the last few legit journalists left in America where he has his own viewpoint, but he's actually interested in what the story really is, not the story that he can make it out to be. So he gets, though, into nooks and crannies that people of my particular ideological persuasion are not permitted around here. So we're going to get uh, an intimate look at what's going on with the first official votes to be cast in the 2020 presidential election coming up in just 13 days. And I am sure, because there's a ton of news today about this race, I'm sure that's going to dominate what we are about to see from Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a peaceful protest. Right now, thousands of gun rights activists, white nationalists, militia groups all swarming the Virginia state capitol. There are a lot of people nervous about what's going to happen. Authorities in Richmond are on high alert. It could be a tense day. Such polarization, what may happen in Virginia. Several hate groups, supposedly some white nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalists. White After declaring a state of emergency in Virginia ahead of a pro-Second Amendment rally in the state's capital, Virginia Governor Ralph Blackface Northam took credit for the fact that there was no violence, looting, or shenanigans during the protests. What there was, was a whole lot of this. The real reason I'm out here is I do not support in any way, shape, or form Governor Northam's and the Democrats' gun control. What I also don't support is the fact that every news piece you've seen on this this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race, as though it's nothing but white rednecks and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. So that's why I'm out here. And main big media, mainstream media be damned. I am Governor Ralph Norton, and I am in blackface today. NBC News actually told the truth about the rally. At a tense Virginia rally, demonstrators reject extremists, defend law-abiding gun owners. Grayson County, Virginia Sheriff Richard Vaughn is at least one person in authority who says if the proposed gun-grabbing laws are passed in the state, he won't enforce them. If the bills go through as proposed, they will not be enforced. They're unconstitutional. We support uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Virginia, and that's what we'll do. Moving on, Bernie Sanders has made campaign finance reform a centerpiece of his policy proposals for years. 
He was confronted recently about his own hypocrisy. You are benefiting from the support of a large political action organization that you helped to launch. You were at the kickoff called Our Revolution. The AP reported that that group has taken in nearly $1 million from donors that gave more than the limits and whose identities are not fully disclosed according to recent tax filings. Um, how do you square you know, your, your statements on that with the existence of this large Fair group? question. I mean, we have a broken uh, campaign finance uh, system. Uh, and as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, if you guys are billionaires and you wanted to put hundreds of millions of dollars in somebody's campaign, you can do that. If you want to run for president and spend a couple hundred million dollars on TV ads, you, you can do that. It's a broken system. In other news. Look, I don't tolerate bull- terribly well. Bernie Sanders endorser Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had herself a little gaffe. And to be ethical, if you're a billionaire today, the thing that you need to do is give up control mm. and power. So I don't want your money as much as we want your power. Hmm. The people, not me. The Hollywood Reporter interviewed Hillary Clinton recently, and she had some interesting words about Bernie Sanders. Quote, he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. End quote. Elizabeth Warren talked about the judges Trump has nominated. Homophobic, that's in. Racist, that's in. Um, uh, Sexist, oh yeah, most definitely. And anti-voter. And Joe Biden talked about immigration. The way we did when we reformed the system with the DACA, I would not retain them behind bars. They show up. No, here's what they do. They show up. Sometimes you have an ankle bracelet. You set a hearing. We have to we have to surge. We have to surge to the border, to the areas where people are being held. Get rid of all the cages. Everybody out of prisons. Be in a position where if the most you put on is an ankle bracelet that you give a date, you're going to show up. And we have to for an immigration hearing and they show up. Please disperse. Nothing to see here, please. A new poll of Iowa by veteran pollster David Binder for Focus on Rural shows Joe Biden leading the first in the nation state with 24 percent. Warren is behind at 18 with Buttigieg at 16 percent. Sanders is in fourth place at 14 percent with Klobuchar rounding out the top five at 11 percent. It's about the economy, stupid, except when it comes to Trump. The fact is, the fake news media hates talking about the economy and how incredible it is. Denver Post columnist John Caldera says he was fired from the paper after disputing the idea that there are more than two sexes. He claimed in a Facebook post he wrote a column criticizing the Associated Press's new directive saying sex and gender are not binary. ESPN Women tweets, Katie Sowers continues to make NFL history. She will be the first female coach in a Super Bowl as the 49ers take on the Chiefs next month. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, gender is a societal construct. El género es una construcción social. And finally, the Media Research Center compiled a montage of the media's reaction to the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar. The whole issue has been a sham. It shouldn't have gotten this far. The House acted improperly in passing it on to the Senate. Why is your party dragging this thing out? Why is this happening? Why go through all this uh, this business about witnesses? Do we really need more witnesses? It's going to add months to this thing. We should stop this. This bogus inflated uh, case. And get on with business of governance. Will these people just get down to business and leave this impeachment thing alone? It's going to be an enormous distraction 
uh, to the White House and all kinds of issues that the Congress ought to be considering. There's a long line of, of the people's business that seems to have been put aside and apparently is going to be put aside for weeks, if not months now. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Keeps, which wants to wish those of you that took advantage of my call to arms where Keeps is concerned last year. Happy New Hair because you are enjoying your new hair because you took advantage of what Keeps has to offer. But for the rest of you who didn't take advantage of the fact that uh, Keeps helps 66% of men not just keep the hair that they have, but regrow it uh, as well. Um, if, if you want to fix the fact that losing your hair sucks, still time. Still time to take advantage of Keeps when you go to Keeps.com slash grow. Keeps.com slash grow. You can get the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products that are out there, and those generic versions will save you a bundle. So what are you waiting for? With Keeps, you can save your hair without ever leaving your couch. Just answer a few questions and snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right treatment for you, and then it's shipped discreetly to your door. And so here's the happy new hair deal for you in 2020. Go to Keeps.com slash grow, Keeps.com slash grow, and get 50% off your first order keeps.com slash grow get half off right now 50 percent off at keeps.com slash grow one more time that's keeps.com slash grow let's get to the montage and, and man there's there's a lot of stuff in here let me just get this out of the way simple yes or no question do you guys understand what joe biden was talking about do you know when i did it was bad my default has been no on that for quite some time. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know what any of that is. Let's move on to another Iowa poll, which has similar results to the ones we poo-pooed yesterday. Are we, are we changing the way we think? I still don't believe there is any possibility Bernie Sanders finishes in fourth place in Iowa. The previous one had him I, in fifth place. I think he could finish in fourth place, but not with. A, That's a better a, way. Of a level it. Thank of, you for um, that clarification. Being so far behind. Yes. Yeah. If he's in fourth place, it's because four candidates have like twenty some. Uh, yes. About twenty percent. Yes. Not because he's law. He's eight points behind yeah. whoever wins this thing. Yeah. And I thought on that I, I agree yeah. with you on that. All right, so and on that, he, I, I agree. He could finish in fourth if it just gets in there, especially because here's again where this doesn't make any sense. This thing has Joe Biden ahead by a few points, but Amy Klobuchar in double digits. You buying that? I'm not buying mm, that. No, no, not in that poll, no. And, 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 and the other thing I'm not buying is if you've got Bernie Sanders in fourth place and in the low teens and you only have Elizabeth Warren in the mid-teens, I'm not buying that either. Now, what right. we don't know from these results is how many of their people they have that are undecided and everything else, but the symmetry of those results don't make any sense from what we see on the ground and the way that they, and, and you know where campaigns are by the way that they're acting, right? Similar to if you, if you follow recruiting in college sports, you don't get to scout all the players. And you could watch some film, but almost all that huddle stuff you watch are their personal highlights. You can make anybody look good with those, okay? You don't go to the all-star games and stuff and watch them compete and practice against one another. Good rule of thumb is, you know, if you look who's getting offered. Now, that's not fail-safe either, but who's got more skin in the game about finding the best players than the actual coaches of the programs whose livelihoods depend on it, right? right. So while it's not fail-safe and programs like the two that you guys root for have proven time and again that you can find so-called diamonds in the rough, 
all right? But for every, every program like Wisconsin and Iowa that tries to do that and is successful, how many others try to do that, though, and aren't? Right? right? That's why you guys stand out, because you're good at this. Most of the time, it's, it really does come down to who recruits the best Jimmys and Joes, ends up with the best teams, most of the time. All right? and, so, like, and so that's why you just look at who else is offering a kid. Likewise, the campaigns will tell you where they're at by the way they're behaving. Do we see campaign behavior on our television screens in Iowa and on the ground in Iowa that makes you think Joe Biden is pulling away, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are canceling each other out, and Joe Biden is pulling away despite the emergence of Amy Klobuchar. Do you see that? I'm asking. Because that's what, that's what that poll is asking you to see. It's saying that it sees anyway. I, if this is true, the average rural Democrat in Iowa is just as confused when they open their mouth as Joe Biden was. And that's, if you, I mean, it would have to be that way to really be living in like decades past and not have any understanding of what's going on in your average progressive caucus. The other thing too is the there's the polling could be somewhat accurate but doesn't reflect the process of what happens in a caucus, okay? Oh, the, for the, sure. The, the process of what actually happens in a caucus almost barring the scenario you articulated where they're just all, but we're four separate themselves and they're all bunched up around 20 or in the 20 percentile almost is f- flame retardant for, for Bernie Sanders to finish and the way that these polls are depicting because of the way that, that well, caucuses behave and, and the process performs. How do we believe these videos are coming out of not just your random people who are running the grassroots efforts in multiple states, states and look what they believe. And we think that right. kind of person's just going away and saying, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I thought guess about I'm, it, but no, no you know, they, I don't think he can get me there. No, no. And I, were you going to add something to this, Aaron? I, I'm just trying to figure this out here because, like you mentioned, these are two polls, two different polls with somewhat similar results. And I'm trying to apply Occam's razor, assuming that they are not what we're seeing here and not really reflective of really any any of the analysis that that has been giving uh, over the last probably month or so. And so I'm, I'm kind of down to two or three things here. One is what you just said a few moments ago, that this is uh, accurate as, for, uh, as far as, you know, what the, what the makeup is, but not actually indicative of the final result, if I'm hearing that correctly. Uh, two, that's just wrong. That's another possibility. Or three, there is some sort of, we, there's, I, I, do, do, do candidates, do organizations use polls to reflect strength that's not actually there or weakness that's not actually there? Some ulterior motive for getting uh, getting these results. And I'm just trying to figure out where that is. Yeah, I, and I, mean, I don't... I, 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 applying Occam's razor, I think right. any any of those three things, assume you're being lied to, I think any of those three things could be true. Here's the other reason I don't believe it. Um. What did I just say a minute ago? Campaigns will tell you where they are at, where they stand. All right. And it is all, it is open season on Bernie Sanders right now. Open season, man. All right. Which means they don't think he's at 10 when Hillary comes out like that. Absolutely. I I totally If he was in fifth place. Would Hillary Clinton be coming out and risking dunking on him like that? No. Would that would we be getting body language experts at uh, you know on MSNBC's weekend shows? Do I, I think that's a liar? Uh, no. 
No, would he be getting questions like they are just now Politico just now is is delving in to Bernie Sanders donor who's donating to his campaigns. They're just now coming up with this to ask these questions. Of course not. And by the way, Bernie Sanders, although he went hard after Hillary in the in the primary four years ago, it wasn't very long after he dropped out that he endorsed her. He did several campaign events for her. He didn't, you know, he didn't slam on her or anything after he he got, you know, he unified behind the nominee of a party he doesn't actually even belong to formally. All right. So I I I don't he's 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 getting the mini Trump treatment right now, where he he is, you know, it's not the full John Travolta get shorty. This is like the off-Broadway version. Okay, you know, but it's it's similar that every gun is pointed at him. Why? If he was good, if if he was if if the caucuses were today and Bernie Sanders was going to get 14 or 15 percent as these two polls we've had the last two days. There's there's two things you have to ask yourself. Well, three things you have to ask yourself. Now I can reduce it to two. Who's more likely to have bad data? Even really good public pollsters. Or the people whose livelihoods depend on turning out voters. That's number one. And then, and then number two, you have to ask yourself, are all these people running all these campaigns that are trying to win so incompetent that they're attacking the person who's actually in decline rather than one another? And I, I mean, are, I, you have to ask yourself those questions because the behavior doesn't, the behavior of the campaigns themselves does not match this notion that Bernie Sanders is imploding. They didn't get them. Here's the other thing to keep in mind too. Public, and I can tell you this from working on campaigns. And I've mentioned before in the Cruz campaign, we probably had as good of analytics as any Republican campaign that wasn't the nominee. So therefore you got to generate all this stuff on your own, right? You don't have the system behind you yet fully. We, We probably had as good of analytics with Chris Wilson and that team and what he had than any non- nominated Republican presidential candidates ever had. I can, so this, I can always tell you the public data is always a new cycle to a week behind with the candidate, with the campaigns. No, they're, it's, they're always behind the, the public data is never ahead of what, of what the data that the campaigns have. The public data is always behind similar to um, the disc jockey in the old days of top 40 radio was sick of the hit song long right when the public was beginning to catch on right so right when the public was beginning to catch on to the latest song by latest release bubblegum released by the bay city rollers which the disc jockey was sick of three weeks ago is right when this casey Kasem says this is beginning to soar up the chart the charts last week tennis analogies now you're going rick d's i mean you're really strong and and so I'm inclined to think that if this is accurate, it's where maybe things were at before a week or so ago, but they're certainly not behaving. The other campaigns are, are certainly not behaving like they think he's kind of fizzled out. Any further thoughts on this before we move on? And we'll get more into this with, yeah. with Yepsen and get his perspective because he, he gets access to the other side of the looking glass that we don't. All right. And so maybe he'll say something that'll make me think, okay, maybe I got this one wrong. You might, maybe there is something happening here, but it still doesn't make any sense. If he's declining, she has to rise. And it doesn't make sense that they're both stuck in neutral. That's the, that doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Um, 
Can I go back to the Hillary Clinton thing? Your guys' opinion. Does this help or hurt a candidate in the Democratic field? Right? Like, if, you know, on the Cruz campaign, we wanted to have certain elements within the Republican Party say we were radical, dangerous, reckless. I mean, that's because our candidacy was a was a rebuke of these elements. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. that that so those were quasi endorsements for them to recognize that we were a threat to their status quo. That that was the message that was messaging goal. That's the messaging we were looking for initially. Um so if you're Bernie Sanders, does it help you to have Hillary help. Clinton or or does it determine how you respond to her? Or is it just a blanket help regardless of how you respond? I think it's just a blanket help from her, and I think it can't possibly help anybody else. You don't think it can help an Elizabeth Warren, for By extension. Uh, no, all the same people who would you know, be willing to say, yeah, I'm, Hillary's not my cup of tea, but we need a woman are with her anyways. Mm-hmm. And she's not, the, all the people who are just, man, I am, the, the people, the progressives who are sick of the system Democrat, mm-hmm. what, what, they don't care what she says about this. It's not, they, they might just vote for uh, Bernie despite uh, people like her, even if they aren't ultimately for Bernie. Okay. What do you think, Aaron? I don't think, uh, I don't think this either helps or hurts. If anything, I do agree that it, that it does help. I mean, I still think the zeitgeist of, of the Democrats is still, if you lose, you're gone, even though Hillary Clinton has defied that for, uh, for the time being. Or anyway, just stubbornly refused to go away. But I still think in the zeitgeist, yeah, there's that too. I th- still think in the zeitgeist, if you lost, you're, you're nothing. And so, hey, the loser over here doesn't like uh, this candidate. Um, that's nice. Um, maybe maybe I should support that guy since uh, since you know uh, she doesn't know how to win anyway. Something along those lines. So I don't. I think it's moot. But I think at the same time, if anything, it 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 does help if it does anything at all. That that media research center montage from the Clinton Lewinsky Ken Starr impeachment twenty years ago, and it, it gets longer. We cut it for brevity's sake. I mean, there's uh, there's Dan Rather in the longer montage, even using the term coup. I mean, it, it really is something to go back and watch. Here's the problem with that, though. That you realize, again, you don't, we don't believe in fallacies. We don't, we don't permit, if we, if we recognize them, because we're human, we don't always recognize our own fallacies because we are uh, a fallacy unto ourselves by our very nature. But um, once they become open and recognizable, we don't permit fallacies on this show. And so that is the danger. If, if, if everything that is in that montage by MRC is just breathtaking to watch it. But you know what that also means though, right? I do. That, that, that you know, otherwise it's a fallacy. If otherwise the, uh, the opposite assertion isn't given its logical conclusion, then you are arguing a fallacy. And so if everything that the media was saying back then is what they're condemning Republicans for saying now, well, then the opposite of that has to be true which is that Republicans are now saying what they condemned the left media for saying 20 years ago, right? And I think this is why a lot of Americans don't care about this. It's, it's because they just don't believe anybody has any moral high ground that's worthy of tolerating your claim to in the first place. It's just a brood of vipers, a bunch of whitewashed tombs, and a den of harlots. 
And at this point, all I care is that you just leave me the hell alone. Um, or you give me what I want, depending on what you, what your desire, your, your, your prime desire from government is to be left alone. You want to be Greta Garboed or do you, or do you want government to give you what you want? And, and, and for most people, it's a little bit of both, right? Cause people are not, you know, they're not constructs. They're complicated. And so for most people, it is uh, give me what I want when I can't get it myself and then leave me alone when I can get it for myself. That I think that's actually a better description, regardless of how most people vote. That's really what they want from government. They want government to give them what they want when they can't get it themselves and then leave them alone when they can get something themselves. Think that's fair? Yeah. And so except for hard ideologues on the left who are interested in iconoclastic revolution here, um, and except for people that are just completely tribalistic about being Republicans, I think everybody else in America, this is just simply a transactional process. Who annoys me the least, gives me the most that I want, leaves me alone when I, gives me things when I want them to give me things and leaves me alone when I want them to leave me alone. That this is, this isn't voting, it's Tinder. It's, it's Bumble. It's a dating app. You know, I'm, this isn't eHarmony here. We're not looking for a life mate. I've given up. I've given up believing such a soulmate exists. Really, I'm just looking for some company on a Saturday night, gratification uh, when, when, when the desire hits, and somebody to tell me I'm pretty handsome and I can talk to my job about every now and then, and then just go home and be left alone uh, to my own devices. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I want to make that very clear. I'm, I'm just saying that it is the thing. I think this is just all a transactional process, except for those that are trying to finish Antonio Gramsci's march through the institutions and, and those that are just complete GOP. I pray to the Republican Party at night for my food over the dinner table, and GOP stands for God's own party. Except for those people, I think everyone else, regardless of where they stand on the political spectrum, this is just all transactional. And when you try to claim you have some, you're all hypocrites, you're all, you're all your own what about failure of self-awareness. So this is all pointless. I don't believe any of you have any credibility whatsoever. Just leave me the hell alone or give me what I damn well want. I really period. hope you're, I, I really hope that is correct. And right now we don't really have any reason to believe it's not, but at least there's still some leave me alone ness within government uh within within the electorate i really hope that's right because that's that's better uh than the alternative when most of us have gone through government re-education centers known as public schools and universities and that's where your hard left is coming from exactly um so i I really hope it's just as simple as that and this that level of cynicism is exactly what i was concerned about 20 years ago which is why back then I, i was agreeing with most of those uh journalists back then I didn't think we should impeach uh, Bill Clinton, and I still don't. And we're, we 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 have set up um, this this soap opera that has nothing to do ultimately with governance. We're getting what we deserved. Mm. And who in modern American politics has ever been more trans? Well, there's been two entities that have been the most tr- openly transactional in modern American politics, the Clintons and Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Bill Clinton, I, I'm, I'm your Huckleberry. I'll bomb an aspirin factory. I'll sign your Defensive Marriage Act. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kick people off of welfare in, in only two years and unemployment in a year. And if Ronald Reagan had done that, you know, they would have 
Uh, you know, we'd have ham, we'd have red scares out in front of the White House, but I'll do it. I'm your Huckleberry, whatever you need. I'm, I purely, this is a transactional process. You bet. And I think you've, I think Donald Trump has done that. And, and that's why they both in the end ended up escaping their detractors. And I think both will get reelected ultimately. It's, it's, it's not because they are any form of a transcendent figure. But because the public has largely given up that the system can produce those. And I think that for a couple of years, Barack Obama made a group of people believe that that could happen again. And, and now I, I think that's, I think that's largely out the window. I think, I think most people now just want government to give them what they want when they can't get it themselves and to leave me alone when I can. I think that's really how most people vote. It's true. And I think that's why we had 33 counties in Iowa that voted for Barack Obama twice, turn around and vote for Donald Trump. Because I think he'll give me what I want. I don't think, I don't think you guys will. You guys are telling me that, you know, that um, I've got to, you know, burn this down or burn the village to save it. Um, and it will, it's going to be fascinating to see how the Republican Party responds to this era when it is over. That, to me, is the real debate. That's, that's what I'm really here to witness. From more of, of, a, of a voyeuristic fascination than anything else is to see how it's going to respond to the zeitgeist, to use the term Aaron used earlier, when, Trump, when, Trump, when the Trump era ends. We'll come back and play some fake news or not here in a moment. Time for our weekly game of fake news or not brought to you by the folks and friends over at Credit Repair that want you to be cautious about relying on free credit score websites. Case in point, a couple wanted to refi their home, so they got their free credit score online and it looked okay. But when they applied for their loan, the broker checked thoroughly and their score was 40 points worse than what the website said. Thus, they were rejected. But if they had started with CreditRepair.com, they'd have received a free credit evaluation from an actual human And in minutes, their CreditRepair.com advisor would have shared their actual credit score and a report summary for free. He would have pointed out inaccurate, unfair items that are hurting their credit and ways they could work to fix them. So if you're thinking about buying a car, refinancing your home, or applying for credit, call CreditRepair.com first. Get your free credit score and report, plus smart advice from actual humans on how you can improve both Call 800-551-9835. That's 800-551-9835. 800-551-9835. Or visit creditrepair.com. That's creditrepair.com. Not available in all states, including Georgia, Mississippi, Ohio, Oregon, and South Carolina. All right, fake news or not, this is not where we fact-check enemy media, or at least the media that considers us the enemy. We are interested in fact-checking newsmakers and news platforms that claim to represent and be speaking to what's left of America. And we begin with the top political strategist in the White House calling her shot. Does the president believe he will be acquitted 
after this yes. process is over? Yes, we know the president will not be removed from office and he will be reelected for many reasons. The historic economy, the deregulation, what he's trying to do, keeping us safe, taking out two major terrorists, al-Baghdadi and Soleimani, two major trade deals, uh, two Supreme Court justices equals two terms. All right. Kellyanne Conway calling her shot. Todd, fake news or not? Oh, it's fake news. Not because it's not a high probability being true, but because she's saying it. I mean, I can't even tell what's going on in her own living room or her kitchen based on what's going on with her and her husband on social media. I'm, I'm just, I don't, her level of connectedness to anything other than the microphone in front of her, I have no trust in. So I've got to call fake news. Um, I, I think it's, True news, but well, that is a the, brutally honest assessment. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. All right. True news, but not for the reason she said. I mean, it's just simple as the economy is fine for right now. Uh, this is a sham and it's not going to pass because they don't have enough uh, votes in the Senate to actually remove Trump from office. The economy is good. He's probably going to be reelected because of that. They don't have enough. That It's just that simple. So. Oh, well, yeah. And that's see Kelly and Conway. And she, she's Catholic from my tribe. But, you know, she's on there right now saying, you know, Jesus is the risen Lord. I'm like, Kelly, I, 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 there's not a word that comes out of your mouth that doesn't like ugh, grind. And I'm just being like, you want brutal honesty. I just I, I don't know what's going on hmm? over there. I just don't know. Here's the thing. It, 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 Everybody here has a job to do. I don't even know the woman's name on Fox who asked the question. And Kelly, she has a job to do to ask. And Kellyanne Conway has a job to do to answer. And I've, I've been in these situations both as, a, as um, an operative, spokesperson, et cetera, and then I've been the person asking the question to. Everybody's just checking in a, an obligatory box. I mean, no, co- no, no NFL general manager stands up the day after the NFL draft and says, well, we grab, we reached for this guy here in the second round. Then the third round, we thought we had a guy, and then so and so traded up ahead of us. So you know, we just took who kind of fell to us. I mean, no one does that, okay? Oh, I mean, everything, every draft class is well. Obviously, some draft classes aren't great because they fire five to seven coaches in the National Football League every single year, yeah. right? Okay, but but everybody's got a job to do, and so. What's difficult about these situations is when you ask obligatory questions, you're going to get obligatory answers. Did anybody sit there and think she would say, "I don't know, we're on the edge of our seat over here"? Well, of no, course but, not. But that's we would be having the same analysis no matter who is in front of us saying that. Yes. So to me, the story is Kellyanne Conway, and I just think she's fake news right now. Oh, okay, all right. I had no idea you felt this strongly. Wow, what is going on with her life? It's bizarre. I, I don't know. Um, I like I I liked her when when we were on the cruise campaign. She's a sweet gal. The whole thing with her husband and stuff on Twitter. Weird. The first couple of times, it you know it got my you know rubbernecking morbid curiosity, and I I have to, I just ignore it now because it, it I've anytime I watch him on Twitter, it reminds me of the the how I felt over the weekend watching that Netflix movie, A Marriage Story, where for like the 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 hour and a half or so in between. Like the opening 10 minutes and the final 10 minutes are riveting filmmaking. The hour and a half, two hours in between, I just, I'm, I don't, I don't want to watch this. This is too personal, close to home. I'm voyeuristic. I, y'all need to handle your own business and, and I don't need to watch. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like it's cute when it's like I married a horse on Jerry Springer, but when it's like real, okay. And you're like, um, 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I walked in here. <laughs> I'm, walk, I, I'm sorry. I walked. I'm sorry. I walked in on this. You know what I'm saying? And that's why. That's why I haven't brought it up on this show in like a year. I'm. I, I'm really, really uncomfortable. Just you know, yeah. kind of have that look. Okay. Uh, let's go to our next clip here. One of my former coworkers over at Salem with an interesting endorsement. Watch this. I can tell you one thing, uh, because Virginia allows early voting and because I don't know where NBC or Salem will have me on March 3rd, I'm voting this week. Oh. Vo- and because it's Virginia, I get to vote in the Democratic primary. I'm voting for Bernie Sanders. And I think a lot of people will because he's authentic. You're going to do calculated voting? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's because I think he's authentic. Yeah, you're going to vote for Bernie is. Sanders against Donald Trump? No, okay. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. But I want a clear choice between the authentic, mm-hmm. traditional socialist and all the people who just pretend to be. You, you <laughs> with with a back ass word endorsement there uh, of uh, of Bernie Sanders. I'm going to vote for the real thing rather than all the people who just pretend to be. And Virginia is an open primary state, so he says I get to do that. What do you think, Aaron? Fake news or not? Uh, this is fake news. I think I think I think whether or not his fans believe and his supporters, his base believes he's the real deal and whether or not he actually believes he's the real deal are two separate things. I think if he were, I, I'm, no, talking about, I'm you're talking about Bernie, not Bernie, Hugh. Bernie. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Bernie no, which, Sanders. Which, uh, I'm not I mean, you can rip. say that about Hugh if you want. I just no, wanted to clarify. Uh, no, okay. Bernie Sanders. Um, I, 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 over the last few years have been having my doubts about whether or not this guy is actually a crusader. There's gangsters, there's groupies, and then there's crusaders I've been having my own doubts about that. Yeah, he says all the right stuff all, uh, all the time. Dude is dude has how many houses? You know, I'm I'm not totally sure that he is the real deal. Now, does that mean that Elizabeth Warren automatically is? The system Maybe. is broken. Uh, uh, the system the is system broken. broken. I have a low tolerance. What do you expect me to do? Bolt. The system yeah. is broken here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anybody can donate anybody they want. What am I supposed to do? I mean, I, I, that's why I want public financing in the elections. I it, mean, it's not my fault. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, that's one reason why I just think that that's fake news because I don't think that Bernie Sanders actually thinks he's the real deal. I might. I, I was going to slam Hugh Hewitt there, but I might agree with him just so laugh. he can be president. I thought it was so funny. you can speak in that voice all the time. I, yeah. There's something to I, that. I, I thought it. I thought it was funny, and I but, just wanted to play that clip for the audience. That's why I picked it for famous. No, I think it's it's totally true news. He's Hugh Hewitt's going to do this. He believes it, but that it's this is that's like you know Rush Limbaugh and that whole thing he did back in sending people to the Hillary side to vote. Oh, right? Operation it, Chaos ten years you, ago yeah, with Hillary guys, and Obama. Yeah, it's all this it, it, that it's. Peak GOP. I mean, it's just and Hugh. I like Hugh. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I got too, along great it's... with him at Salem. He's a nice guy, but he is definitely a team GOP guy, no doubt about and it. And they all also the way. Yeah. they it they all just want to be so clever. It, it and and that gets in the way inevitably of being. Yeah, but principled. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, let me defend him on that though. Look at look at the platform he's speaking this to. Okay. That's true. He, it, it, it would be one thing if it was. It, it, you're right. It's kitschy. If it's on a Fox News panel, it, 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 there's something that just kind of strikes you as we're all standing in a in an oval, uh, pleasuring ourselves simultaneously to our the, to the notion that our own farts don't stink, right? Okay. But the idea that he gets to, he he got to drop that in front. I mean, the 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 reporter at to the left of him has this like. That same uncomfortable look in that clip, you know, or she's smiling through her gritted teeth like I have when read a George Conway twit or tweet, okay, um, that I was just talking about. And 
I think I love the fact that he dropped that on them on their home on their home base. So I mean, I'd rather just vote for the real socialist than essentially what he said without saying it is I'm going to go vote for the real socialist you all don't like when you're lying to the country that you're not all re- pretending you're not all real socialist anyway. You know what? He said that with a lot more. He said that. Now, that's how I would say it. He has a lot more tact than I do. But that that's essentially what he said right to their faces. And that's what I love. That's what I liked about that clip. Yeah, I that you make a pretty compelling case there. That is kind of clever. Also, no matter who said what in that, I have a particular bias. I, I loathe early voting. It's just an abusive scam. Uh, you and Daniel Horowitz need to like start dating. That's one of his. That's one of his uh, canaries in the coal mine. No doubt about it, man. He has a bug up his backside about the early voting stuff. Yeah, you guys. In fact, I'll just bring it up when he comes on tomorrow. I'll just say, Dan, your thoughts on early voting. I'll take. I'll walk out, grab some string cheese, and I'll just let the two of you guys like take a break, and nice. you guys go back back and forth for about fifteen. I knew minutes. I liked that guy. All right, um, let's go to this next. The beloved cable news panel. Watch. Let's start with the White House defense team, and let's put it up on the screen because it it's a really good cable news panel with people like Ken Starr and Alan Dershowitz, but more. A, a panel, it seems to me, than a cohesive team of lawyers. How comfortable do you think White House counsel Pat Cipollone is with having to try to run this operation? I thought this was fascinating analysis from Chris Wallace. Okay, so the only person I know on that graphic is Jay Sekulow. And, and I can't imagine Jay Sekulow and Alan Dershowitz have absolutely... Except for maybe they're 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 both capitalists, okay? I can't start. Uh, if I, if, can I put? Can I, is, that, is that a nice way of putting it? Yeah. Okay. Um, except for the fact they're both capitalists, I can't imagine they have anything else in common. They run in any similar circles whatsoever. Um, and then you have Ken Starr, who was actually just on television. Remember, we had that clip on here. Um, during one of the House hearings, and he went after the president for implicating himself or intimidating a witness for what he was tweeting about that one chick who was upset that the president wouldn't take my foreign policy advice, and Trump came out and blasted her, and then the left and the media, but I repeat myself, accused Trump of trying to badger her. Remember this went on before Christmas? Sure. And, and we had the clip of Ken Starr actually saying, hey, that's terrible conduct by the president. He shouldn't do that. This is, this, this is a, a motley crew. When you look at these people's bios— I mean, it's, it's, it's like uh, there's a lot of these people that would have absolutely no other reason to communicate with one another and talk to each other other than they got hired by Donald Trump. Yeah, I think this is all true news. And to me, it's funny they had them up in like their baseball card post. I've never played these games, but it's like Trump is playing like one of those um, they have, it's like Star Wars card games with the cards have points or Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I'm talking? I've never played them, but yeah. I, I'm yeah. familiar with them. And he just like has these in his arsenal. And so he like plays this magic card or that magic card. Depend- really? Trump uh, the Gathering. Trump yes, the Gathering. Yes, that's it. You just nailed it. That's it. Very right? nice. And... Oh. See, and this is like like Ann Coulter falls out of out of favor, and Pam Biondi takes her place, right? I, I, dude, yes. I think you're onto something with that. Trump the Gathering, I like it. I yes. like it a lot. Yes, yeah. you're sitting in the Senate chambers and confronted by a murderous. I mean, Nancy Pelosi. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> what do you do? <sighs> nice. Uh, I I think. See, 
Chris Wallace is absolutely right on the money, which is why that's a great team. Because all of this is made for cable anyway. That's exactly right. See, I think I think Chris Wallace's analysis is is right on the nose, just not for the reason he thinks. Okay. Yeah. Because the, because Trump understands that ultimately that this is an air war. That the the actual legalities of this yeah. pre, of this proceeding are completely irrelevant because no one has any moral high ground whatsoever. I mean, I mean, a bunch of lefties are are trashing Dershowitz right now for taking positions that contradict what he said 20 years ago about the, mm-hmm. about the, uh, uh, you know, about impeachment. Okay. But it, if, if, if that's, it goes what we just said about MRC in the last segment, if it's true that Dershowitz is contradicting himself for what he said about impeachment 20 years ago and lefty media is, is, is hammering him for it, then what must also be true? The flip side. The flip side that lefty media is hammering Alan Dershowitz yeah. for taking and- positions on impeachment that they hammered, and, or, or, or that they took 20 years ago. And even if it's being hypocritical on Trump's side, in it, putting that level of chaos into this only helps Trump because the removal of a president is of such gravity that if it becomes a punchline, that it, no one wants to do it. I mean, this, his best attempt is to turn this into a Monty Python sketch. You know, he's got these... Uh, you, you know what my it, advice was? I think, I, dude, I think you go down there and you, 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 you yes. show up with a binder. Yes. And it's, and it, and it's, and, and it's got it on the cover in giant letters, Epstein travel yeah. log. You want to get nuts? And Let's you, get nuts. Absolutely. Yes. And it's, it's, it's Al Pacino in, at the end of Injustice for All, and he's just handing out Polaroids of public officials with prostitutes, man, just oh, yeah. right out there in the courtroom. I mean, I can't, we're talking about this, and I keep thinking about that Monty uh, Python, the Holy Grail sketch, when there's this big monster they're all scared of in the cave and it, it, it ends up being the rabbit we can't risk another frontal assault that rabbit is dynamite it really that, that's where we live now <laughs> Aaron can we do these out of order because we're short on time yeah alright since, since we've been talking about Dershowitz let's, let's go to another clip that, in, that uh, invokes his name you were on the defense team Ken Starr is on the defense team you both represented some controversial figures among them that's our job. That's right. That's Jeffrey Epstein, the two of you are integral in coming to a lenient plea deal in Florida that has gotten a lot of attention, has been very controversial. That's our job. Yep. Sure. That, that was your job in the case of your client, Jeffrey Epstein. Do you think that the two of you being a part of this, considering how unpalatable uh, an association, a legal association with Jeffrey Epstein is, that that actually could backfire and not serve the president? Well, look, I also defended O.J. Simpson and Klaus von Bülow and Michael Milken and Mike Tyson. And uh, you go back in time. I've defended some of the most controversial people in American history. That That defense by Dershowitz. Ma'am, you're selling me short. Yes, I know. I have defended an entire cadre of of knuckle draggers. Let's just not single this one particular guy out here. I mean, I mean, I I have been involved in trying to get trying to get off some of the absolute worst people you've ever heard of. I mean that <laughs> defense and the way Tubin kind of smiles at it, like hate the game, not the player. <laughs> right? That that you know what? I don't know who this reporter at is because again, I don't watch any of these shows. All right. She seems to be trying to do some kind of an earnest question. That's a, I think that's a perfectly fair question, right? Sure. I, I, absolutely. But you have these two guys that are right now pretending to hate each other that all their lives have largely been on the same side of everything and Alan Dershowitz and Jeffrey Tubin. And Dershowitz's defense is, I'll have you know, ma'am, 
that I have a long and undistinguished list of hell dwellers right now or people that are bound for there that I have defended in the past. Okay. Okay. We even gotten into the drug lords that Sean Penn uh, played me in a movie defending a famous drug lord. Okay. We haven't gotten to those figures yet. And Tubin's on the other side, like, what can you say, man? I mean, I'm, I'm running the same racket you are right now. That's why people don't care about this. It goes back, guys, to what I said at the top of the show. This is all transactional except for the most hardened leftist ideologues and shills on the right. Of course. I mean, to, uh, There's when, no high ground. When, when his response is, you know, when you think you're, no, dig deeper. Yeah, I'd like, you know, it's, 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 it's the opposite. That you stop, what, what's yeah. the saying about stop when you're, Stop digging yes, when you put down the shovel. Deep enough. Yeah, he, he's the opposite. He's, he's like, he's, 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 hand me another he's, shovel. Yeah, I've got no, an extra arm. Yes. He's taking my advice: keep digging until you come out in China, then catch the next flight to where you started, <laughs> yes. and hope that everybody <laughs> forgot what you were talking about. I thought that was as and, that was the most real news clip I picked this yes, week. I, I had a little bit different take. It, def- talking about well, you've defended some. Con- is that really a tree you want to be barking up? I mean, of course, if, you, if you're in the media, you kind of control the narrative, the Overton window anyway. If you start barking up that tree, there's going to be they a They clearly don't, though. You saw back. the look on their both of their faces. You're just like, oh, uh, okay. They shuffled their feet and just moved on to the next gotcha question. We'll come back. We're going to go deep inside the Iowa caucuses with a good friend of ours uh, next year with Hour 2. Stay tuned. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. I'm Steve Dace, 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can access that via email. That's D-E-A-C-E, or you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And if you do listen to the show today via the podcast, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to listen to us on demand. Please consider leaving us a five-star review if you like the show because the more of those we get, the more likely we are to convince people to give us this job when so many more are more deserving of having it. So thank you. Um, We've got a good friend of ours coming up here in a matter of moments. But first, I want to give you a reality check. How many of you made a New Year's resolution to change your diet and lose weight this year. How's that going so far? Well, chances are you're having a lot of trouble fighting the cravings, but there is a solution, and it's called Riduzone. Developed by doctors and backed by two U.S. patents, Riduzone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, the natural occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake. Because, take it from me, when I was for several years, my medical chart also said morbidly obese. All right. And it was because I, I stopped listening to the signals in my body that was full and kept eating anyway. Right. That's where Riduzone comes in to get you back in proportion here. Riduzone makes it easy to resist those cravings that can ruin your resolution. Because face it, dieting alone is just too hard. The easy way to keep your resolution and get your weight under control is Riduzone, which is available exclusively at Riduzone.com. And right now, if you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you'll get an outstanding discount, 65% off. That's massive. 65% off right now, promo code Steve. If you go to Riduzone.com, it's also vegan-friendly and gluten-free. 
as well, this product. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve. Well, let's bring him in one final time before we start casting ballots officially in the 2020 presidential election. If you're a longtime political junkie, you're going to recognize the name uh, or the face, probably more likely even the voice. Uh, And he's one of the few people that doesn't agree with me on anything on everything that is actually willing to come in here and talk to us. Uh, It's good to see you again, David Yepsen. How are you? Good to be back. Thanks for having me again. I think the value that you provide for our audience is I'm, I'm not afraid of uncomfortable information. I'm not afraid of uncomfortable data. There's too many, there's, there's, there's too much belly rubbing in conservative media. All right. There, there's, there's too much make the bad man stop. And, and, and it's the equivalent of, you know, a postgame call in show every time. Sometimes when you lose, the ref screwed you. Right. That happens. Right, sometimes. That happens. All right. There's, there's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when you, sometimes on the right, we get screwed by media bias. It happens. Okay. But the idea that every time we lose, it's because of media bias. Or every time the team, home team loses, the ref screwed us. That's a loser mentality. So I am not afraid because I actually, you know, we're talking during the break. I actually want to beat people on the left. I, I want to defeat them. And I don't think by disrespecting my opponent and not trying to see things as they see things, uh, but instead treating them as, you know, one dimensional constructs, I don't think does that. Helps my cause. And so what you really help our audience is, is to, because if they're listening to this show and tuning in, then they're they're looking for some of the same things as well. Because I would have just annoyed the hell out of you by now by not rubbing your belly all the time, right? <laughs> and so, what I like though is you can give them. I can only go so far into this arena as a as a ideologue on the right, you know. And I've been willing to do and enter and be on platforms that are not friendly to me more than maybe the average guy has, but. That only, in the end, you know, there's certain places that are verboten, no man's lands for somebody like me. You get access or get to talk to some of the people that I would never get to talk to. And I want our audience to be as informed as they can possibly be. All right. So let me start, therefore, with a very open ended question. If the Iowa caucuses were today, what do you think would happen? Right now, today, um, Joe Biden would, um, uh, would probably come out with more initial votes than others. Um, but obviously it's not being held today, so I'm not making predictions. Uh, the interesting wrinkle that's occurred that we've never seen before in answering a question like that is the fact that four of these candidates, the senators, now are not on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's rare to have a campaign where in the closing days you've got some of the leaders of the campaign who who aren't on the court, so to speak. The second thing is the impeachment trial crowds out other information, uh, media attention, coverage. Um, it pulls most of the oxygen out of the room, and it becomes very difficult for candidates to punch a message through the clutter. And you add into in that that this has been the longest uh, caucus campaign we've ever had. Uh, it's been going ever since the day after Donald Trump won the election. And there's a little bit of caucus fatigue that has set in. Uh, the the media in uh, this state, the paid media, uh, you were just awash in television commercials. And mm-hmm. after a while, there's a law of diminishing returns that sets into that. So you add all those things together, and who's punching through? Can anybody? Is anybody changing the game? It it's happens. To, the weather is a factor here. It ha, uh, it happens to be very difficult in uh, zero degree temperatures. 
uh, for campaign workers to knock on doors and, and reach people. Uh, so they go to the telephones. I had a campaign worker tell me uh, just yesterday he was making calls, um, and he said he got one person out of 25 to answer uh, his phone calls. I mean, who's answering unknown telephone numbers these days anymore? So all those are kind of new things. We haven't uh, seen those all come together before. So it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult. Why well, say Biden is ahead? The, there's some uh, empirical evidence for that in the polling. Um, but having said that, you have to you have to look at more of the trend lines than just where somebody is on the latest poll. Uh, Biden is a if he is ahead, it's it's a weak position. Um, Elizabeth Warren had a, an early lead that she dropped back and faded some. The same with uh, Pete Buttigieg, um, and the the hot candidate at the moment, the candidate who's really kind of showing some momentum is Elizabeth Klobuchar. The old rule in this Amy, game... You mean Amy Klobuchar. Uh, oh, yes. I'm sorry. Amy. That's all right. Um, unless you were making a joke. No. Unless, they, unless you uh, work for the New York Times yeah. op-ed page. <laughs> yeah, we could okay. talk about it. All right. Um, the, the rule of thumb in this caucus game here in Iowa is you organize, 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 and then get hot at the end. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to peak too soon. Howard Dean in 2004... Uh, anti-war candidate uh, peaked real early. When when that happens to you, you get off to a good start. You you are moving numbers and you peak. Uh, then people start shooting. And I figured they start attacking you and criticizing you, and you tend to slip down. Mm-hmm. That's happened to Biden. That's happened to Elizabeth Warren. It's happened a bit to Bernie Sanders. Um, so I I, I think uh, Klobuchar in moving up as she is here at the end becomes a, a candidate who might surprise us all uh, on caucus night. And here's why um, you look at, I look at this campaign as a couple of lanes. There's a, there's a the mm-hmm. progressive liberal lane um, that uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are competing for. You've got a more centrist lane that Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg uh, are, are can- competing for. And one candidate who can sort of appeal to both of those factions is Amy Klobuchar. She's a progressive without being a socialist. Uh, she's a moderate without being an establishment. She's a woman, so she's a different kind of candidate. Um, and that is sort of the sweet spot of, of a candidate who might have an opportunity to appeal to not any one lane or not any one group, but to have an appeal to uh, to an acceptability to a lot of people. And that's a good position to be in as a campaign ends. You, We both know Ann Seltzer. You know her a lot better than I do. Um, but uh, she's the renowned pollster for many, many years uh, at the Des Moines Register, Bloomberg, uh, CNN. Um, her recent Iowa poll last week has dramatically different numbers from the most recent polls that have that we have seen come out since hers. I mean, she has Joe Biden in the mid-teens in her most recent poll. Um, and what I like about Anne is, again, I, she, she's, I believe, based on my own interactions and following her, she ha- is actively trying to provide an accurate snapshot. She's trying to put That's out right. the best information. And what impressed me the most about her is the 2010 election cycle, she had a pretty wretched record. And actually called me on the phone because what she because she realized 
what she undersampled all year long going to the Vanderplatz Branstead primary that year that they missed by 25 points is that they were struggling to correctly sample evangelicals. And she thought she had a pretty good handle on it after nailing the Huckabee surge in 08. And we had an interesting conversation about that. And um, um, I'll keep some of that private because it was. Um, but what I've seen from their polling since 2010 is, I mean, she nailed the Santorum surge. If you go back and look at the final register poll of the Iowa caucuses in 2016, it's exactly what ended up happening. Both races between the two favorites were too close to call within the margin for error. And what did we see on the Cruz campaign? We won by a couple of points, but that's within a polling margin for error. And on the democratic side, it was effectively a coin flip, a, a, a tie between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. So based on track record, do you think this race has flipped this much in a span of days? And if so, what would be the catalyst that Ann's numbers would be so dramatically in error, particularly where the candidate is well-known as Joe Biden, compared to what we're seeing from some polls that have come out here in the last few days? A couple of thoughts, Steve. One is margin of error. We All of us in, in, in this business look at these polls and see somebody's got uh, 15 and somebody else has got uh, 13, and mm-hmm. they think, oh, the guy with 15 is ahead. Well, that's not necessarily the case. The first number I look at in any poll I look at is the margin of error. Because if somebody has 15 and the margin of error is four, that means it could be 11. It means it could be 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means other campaigns have moved inside of that too. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is it is very difficult to find an accurate sample of caucus goers. Um, if you think think about it as kind of a funnel, you start out meaning with, identifying who will actually, who will actually vote actually on go. caucus night. Yeah, and we know that maybe as many as a third of these people who will be at the caucus have never been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, to never been to one of them before, so. Some pet campaigns use lists of registered voters and uh, or prior caucus goers, and you can get misled by that because you miss new people coming into the process. That's been a problem for pollsters, I think, in, in several cycles now with evangelicals, for example. Mm-hmm. These people just coming into the electorate. They're getting mm-hmm. used to the idea that it's okay to be in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's um, that was why, for example, in 2004, so we missed uh, Bush – uh, winning Iowa was because there was a surge of evangelical support in the western part of the state that mm-hmm. wasn't that wasn't showing up for pollsters. So that's your first challenge. What's the margin of error? Second challenge: How? What are they? Just what are they surveying? Ideally, you start with the entire adult population of the state of Iowa, voting age population, and then who's who's registered to vote? Who actually uh, votes in an election? Um, and you know, do they say they'll go to caucuses? Do they know where their caucuses are? Have they gone before? I mean, you have to have some screens on this before you get comfortable. And it is so difficult for anybody in the polling business today uh, because nobody answers their cell phone if they don't recognize the phone number. Very few people do. It becomes difficult. Um, it also becomes difficult to find an alternative way to do that. Some pollsters are going online and they're modeling. They're, they're going back to the same people and seeing – how they're changing. I don't like those polls where you find a hundred people and they take a su- survey one month and then come back and, and survey the same people. Like a YouGov, which because, is an internet opt-in. Right. Kind because of it, yeah. it, it, once you identify, once you tell these people you're really watching them, mm-hmm. 
they behave differently. Sure. And uh, oh my, I got to pay attention. And, right. You know, right. And that becomes you're, atypical. You, you, so, you've planted a, your own placebo uh, in the control group, basically. Right. So yeah. it's hard. It's very difficult to locate caucus scores. I think the problem on the Democratic side uh, that could be akin to what you were describing with the evangelicals um, could be uh, finding new, younger caucus scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, first-time caucus scores, which may may mean that some of the support for candidate like Bernie Sanders is being actually understated, mm-hmm. um, and that's why uh, it, it, I think there's any worth any, noting the two polls that came out this week that were much better for Biden than his recent polling in Iowa had been that you cited. I know the guy who does the neighborhood research polling. That's Rick Shaft, and I've actually worked with him on campaigns before. Okay, I mean Rick, Rick is to the right of me. All right, so. I, I don't know as much as I've, I've, I've used Rick's work and he's, and he's been reliable in, in some of the activist, activism that I've done in the past. I, I don't know that I think he's got a better tie-in and how to reach and get turnout models for the voter you're talking about than somebody like an Ann Seltzer does. Like I would probably trust Rick to tell me what evangelical turnout would be in a Republican primary more than how many Bernie bros are going to show up at the University of Iowa on February 3rd. Well, yeah, but that's that may be he's got a field of expertise there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're working in Republican politics, you've got to know a lot about the, how the evangelical sure. performs. Sure. Uh, whereas if you're working in a Democratic right. campaign, you don't have to know so much right. about that. So well, that, if it goes in the reverse. He's, it, on it, his side, he doesn't really have to know. You'd usually model on the, on Bernie bros. Yeah, what and, and so I, I think the important thing for people to, to realize is that Good, credible pollsters, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, wherever they are on the spectrum or whether they're media pollsters, this is, uh, this is part science and part art. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're trying – the credible ones are not trying I agree. to spin. I they're agree. trying to yep. figure out what the heck is going I, on. I, I agree. Uh, because if you're a strategist, if you're a partisan pollster, yep. you really want to know what the battlefield looks like. I you agree. don't want to talk about how I, I wish you looked – what it – what you wish it looked There's like. There's some things that make no sense to me, though, which which is how you, Amy Klobuchar, and you mentioned the lanes, and I've been trying to explain that to our audience all year long, that you know, on the Republican side, we have we have lanes. You have, you have the evangelical lane, you have the Grover Norquist lane, you know, the anti-tax lane, you've got the Bush family lane, all right? And, you, and it, you know, on the Cruz campaign, we describe them like NCAA tournament brackets. Okay, like we can sit around and you're the number one seed and talk about whether you can get to the final four. But if you can't win that opening bracket opening weekend, right. you, you, you don't get there. So it's irrelevant. Right. All right. So you got to win that. You, and you have to and you have to plant yourself in the right opening bracket. You can have a candidate like Scott Walker come in here with a phenomenal gubernatorial resume. But if he tries to play every subregional bracket at the exact same time, you don't build an actual base. You win this bracket to build your initial base, okay? And, and you have those exact things as you articulated on the Democratic side. What, 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 what I'm seeing analyzing it without caring who wins, I'm just trying to give my audience the most accurate information I can, is, is I don't see anybody that's won a lane yet. What, what I see well, that's is true. I've seen people that have kind of won the, a play-in game to that lane, right. okay? Like, like Pete Buttigieg is the, is, has become the candidate, the Beaverdale, Iowa candidate. He's become the candidate of the Subaru, I've got a coexist bumper sticker on my car, okay, you know, candidate, all right? And I watch Lawrence O'Donnell at night. He's, 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 he's won that sub-sub-primary. Um, um, and I, I think Elizabeth Warren has won the 
I, you know, my dream is to grow up and in either at, if I can't make it all the way to Wellesley College, I'll settle for Grinnell and run the women's studies department. All right. She's she's won that sub sub primary. And I think Bernie Sanders has won the is, is the Ron Paul of this race, which is, you know, a lot of people thought we on the cruise campaign really hurt Rand Paul. We di- we got into his liberty base. We actually didn't get into it as much as we had hoped to. We we took some of the thought leaders away, but you know who really ate into it? Donald Trump did. Because there were two Ron Paul bases. There were the there was the the 10% of Republican caucus goers who really do read Ayn Rand and take her seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. and and believe Milton Friedman is the narrow road we have to follow. And I happen to be a Milton Friedman fan myself. All right. But that wasn't that doesn't get you to 23% in the Iowa caucuses. What 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 got him there is if you watched Ron Paul's events in 08 compared to 12. The difference was in 2012, a, a multitude showed up. And these were people that didn't know who the hell a John Galt was and didn't care to know. What they just saw was the guy, this, this Ron Paul's got a wild-eyed look in his eye, and I hate this system, and I don't even understand the crazy stuff he says, but he looks like he's nuts enough to try it, and I just want something different. And to me, so I, I see Bernie's base as similar to that. That's correct. Where there's a hardcore socialist, I, want, I believe the Soviet Union was just misunderstood, but then there's a larger coalition of people that are just like, I just like the, I wanted I want an absolute disruptor, okay? And I think that base is showing up. His people are showing up, regardless of where the weather forecast is. If there's 10 feet of snow, it's minus 10, or it's 50 degrees on February 3rd. I think he's the one constant as the North Star in the race, is that base of people are going to show. And it may have a ceiling, that's, but it has a pretty high floor. And, and I think there's no way he only gets 14% in the Iowa caucuses because of that. Well, I think that's probably correct. I, I, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, the, there's a lot of... There are, there are, I can't remember the exact percentage, but there's a, a group in the electorate that voted for Bernie Sanders and then for Donald Trump. Yeah. Now go yeah. figure that. Yeah. Well, these are people who are just so fed up and right. angry right. and ticked off that um, they're not worshiping any ideology. They're looking for somebody to dis, a disruptor. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, an element of that in the Democratic Party today. Some people. So they start looking at hard at Bernie Sanders, for example, as something more than a protest candidate. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who um, I'm going to fling my sabot, my shoe into yeah. the system. And yeah. um, so, can he be president? Um, what what do we? The most important thing that Democratic caucus scores want is somebody who's electable. Uh, more most primaries there is an electability factor. There's is really big. Agreed. This time. Agreed. And so yeah. candidates, somebody say, I like Bernie Sanders, but I don't think he can win. So where does that person go? Right. Uh, and that's true for every everybody's a candidate. There, there are people who uh, like Pete Buttigieg, but he can't seem to do well with black voters. Uh, and that's pretty important if you're a Democrat mm-hmm. uh, because you don't win the White House without a huge black turnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit, <laughs> Milwaukee, um, and in South Carolina, for example. So then Hamilton they say, I like Booty Judge. But exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and the, other, the other factor, he's openly gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, is America ready for an openly gay president? Um, were we ready for uh, a black to be president? Those were... Um, legitimate political questions that activists look at and consider as they make up their mind. They want somebody who they think can beat Trump. That is most important. And again, that's where I think Amy Klobuchar comes up as somebody, you know, she might have a shot at uh, at doing this with a lot of these caucus goers. I was on Glenn Beck's national show yesterday. And I, you tell me if you agree with the comparison I made on his program. 
I said that this is this is 2012 for the Democrats, but Joe Biden isn't as strong of a of a candidate as Mitt Romney was. Meaning, all 2012 when the Republican side was about was anybody but Obama. Right. And most most Republicans did not want Mitt Romney to be the nominee. They viewed, viewed him as milk toast. Well, you know what I think about him. Uh, but viewed him as milk toast, but not one of their own. But if he's the nominee, if you can't be the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. Right. But they'd prefer another nominee. And so we had this flavor of the month. Who can stand up to him? All right. Who can mm-hmm. who can actually believe some of the things I believe and could could beat Obama? And and you you know Rick Perry had a month and Michelle Bachman had a month and Newt Gingrich had a couple of months and then Rick Santorum got the final month. But in the end, there were only a, there was really only one time in that race where where Mitt Romney was challenged directly and it was we on the Gingrich campaign did it in South Carolina and won that primary but then Romney came right back in Florida and destroyed Newt in that debate and was never really seriously challenged for the nomination after that mm-hmm. okay this is 2012 for them but but and they and Joe Biden is supposed to be Mitt Romney but he can't command a stage like that you see him where we this is what we talked about the last time you were here and it's not getting any better and I think that's the problem is that is we've, is we've had all these flavors of the month and people that have risen and fallen and come back and come down and Kamala Harris had a moment and Elizabeth Warren is trying to have a second moment. But, but the, the issue is they don't have this, as, as Todd would say, the safety school candidate that in the end, if you don't like Mitt Romney's politics, you at least, res- and I didn't, but I could respect the fact that him as a combatant, this guy knows how to command a stage. He's rarely off script. He's rarely off message. Right. He's rarely looks like he's rattled. Okay. And Joe Biden has looked like that on a daily, almost hour by hour basis. And I think because of that, all these lanes are now open for contest. And that's the other reason why I think Bernie's going to do well is because, because they can't decide on what, yeah, they all want to beat Trump, but they can't, since no one has solidified the, I'm the one that can do it. They're all arguing with each other. Then do we need to be more ideological? Do we need to be more left? Do we mean more diverse? Do we need to be more pragmatic? They're having all of these arguments. The one constant is the guy that shows up with the mob outside the Bastille. And that's going to be Bernie Sanders, yeah, I think. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that uh, you make a credible case for uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign. You look at his crowds. Uh, he's been organizing this for four years. Um, got a, you know, We talk about organization. It's, uh, it's, it is a factor. There's some good organizations in the field mm-hmm. uh, of people that turn out voters. The one, one important thing that will help Bernie Sanders uh, is a rule change. That was not true in Democratic caucuses before. They're actually going to report the initial preferences of people when they walk in the door. Mm, um, I did not know that. And and so Democrats, Republicans count a straw vote at right. their caucus. Right. Democrats <clears throat> tab, <clears throat> excuse me, tabulate delegates. How many delegates are you winning to the county convention? How many county convention delegates do you're winning? And it's an estimate. They call it state delegate equivalents. What this, this is the equivalent of how, how many state delegates? And um, excuse me, that's all right. I, I, it, I, it's it happened, better to turn it off. It, 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 it happened to I me apologize. on my own show just a few days ago, and the victors began blaring because that's my ringtone, and everybody but me was annoyed. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, the um, how do I want to say this? I've kind of lost my. The delegates. Do they count the, 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 they delegate, count the, the delegate equivalents? Yep. I'm trying to explain to people what it is. Yep. The delegate equivalents used to be all the Democrats reported, and they were, you got X percent of that. 
in in the 2016 campaign between Hillary Clinton uh, and Bernie Sanders, the Bernie people felt they got cheated because they had more people who showed up, mm-hmm. and uh, but they didn't weren't able to translate that into delegates. Clinton's support was much broader based. It's a little bit like the electoral college. Mm-hmm. After you win California, the next million votes you get. Boy, there's some count. irony we could have fun yes. with there, but so, I'll, I'll spare you my partisan uh, uh, rankering. Continue well, your analysis. Uh, this, so at, when the Democratic <laughs> National Committee was writing the rules, they said, if you're going to do this in caucuses, you, you have to report the initial preferences of people who walk in the door. Mm-hmm. And that means when Bernie Sanders wins Iowa City uh, by 5,000 votes, mm-hmm. he's going to get credit for them. It's not just going to be the 200 delegates that Johnson County elects to the state convention. They're going to report that initial count. They're going to report an estimate of the delegates. Uh, and to make it even more complicated, uh, they're going to report how the, what, how the final tabulation looked when the lesser candidates are dropped who, off. Who, who can't get any delegates right. are reallocated. So you're going to have three numbers reported. You very easily have somebody who gets, say, Bernie gets uh, the most votes walking in the door mm-hmm. uh, because he's run up the score in liberal enclaves. Uh, what Joe Biden could win the most delegates or Amy Klobuchar could win the most delegates because they have a broader base of support throughout the rural parts of the state. Um, and it's going to be uh, very complicated. And I don't need to tell you uh, how uh, you know you could easily declare the wrong candidate the winner by eight votes. Uh, I've got a little experience and, with that. And then, yeah. and then come back two weeks later and yeah. say, oh, no, we got the wrong guy. Yeah. Um, it, it, and seriously, that's a serious problem the Iowa caucuses have because in both parties over the years, there have been problems with the counting. And it's one of the m- biggest attacks that's made on the whole Iowa caucus process that you guys can't count it right. And it's who really won Bernie Hillary? Uh, the, was it Rick Santorum? Uh, who won, or was it Mitt Romney who right, won? Right. Uh, and and how long do you have to report that? You gotta. They have not only do they have to get it right in both parties, but they have to do it that night. Because what do you win in a caucus? You don't win an office. You win momentum, money, momentum. media attention. You know, and they don't go yeah. back to uh, a Rick Santorum after they've shafted him by declaring the wrong winner and say, "Oh, well, we'll get, we'll take the Time Magazine cover back." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that's why in both parties, I think it's one of the criticisms. And both parties are concerned about trying to get it right and get it done fast. You have a thirty-second response to that for I got to get to the break. This is why. I mean, the look on your face when well, he was describing that was classic. When he when this is why impeachment is going on right now to cover up some of this mess. <laughs> I, she waited until now because this is a disaster on multiple levels. And right, she I wanna, needs a distraction. I, I want to get into the impeachment angle and how it may or may not impact the process because this is a unique outlier. All right. And we're going to get into that here with David Yepsen as we continue going in-depth on the Iowa caucuses just 13 days from today. The first votes cast in the 2020 election. Stay tuned here. Live and on demand on The Blaze. <laughs> We 
We've got a new partner with us here on the Steve Day Show, and it's actually a service that uh, my wife and I have used for several years. It's called LegalZoom. Maybe some of you have heard of it as well. Uh, if you want to have a New Year's resolution that can stick, you can change something up this year. Use LegalZoom to do something impactful in your life. Make 2020 the year you officially start your business, or you can finally get your will, living trust sorted out. This is what my wife and I have used LegalZoom for. Over the past 19 years, LegalZoom has helped more than 4 million people, and they provide the resources you need to confidently resolve your personal and business legal needs. You can get started quickly online, and if you have questions or need advice, they have the right people to help you out. Now, remember, LegalZoom isn't a law firm, so you can count on their network of independent attorneys for advice at the right price since they don't charge you by the hour. Make 2020 a year you'll remember for the right reasons and use LegalZoom to help you out. If you've got issues with an LLC or your family and what happens to if something tragic were to happen to you or your spouse and you've been putting it off and you don't want to sit in an attorney's office and rack up billable hours, this is the perfect solution for you. Go to LegalZoom.com, enter the promo code TRUTHBOMBS in the box at checkout in order to get special savings. That's LegalZoom, just like it sounds. LegalZoom.com, promo code TRUTHBOMBS. LegalZoom, where life meets what's legal. LegalZoom.com, LegalZoom.com, promo code TRUTHBOMBS. All right, we're back here with, I guess we will call you the Professor Emeritus of the Iowa caucuses. Are you okay with that? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that's our good friend, David Yepsen. We, we have a, um, a unique circumstance where in impeachment, just as we were speaking here during the break, uh, Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice John Roberts announced that the Senate is now in the process of, uh, is in the an impeachment trial. It's official. It was, he basically, you know, went Judge Wapner and, you know, gaveled it in. We've got several senators, not as many as we started the race with, but we still have several uh, that whose names have all come up. Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, running that prominently in this Democratic uh, race here in Iowa uh, that are going to have some duties that are going to tether them to Washington, D.C. Now, the conventional wisdom here is that this is going to be terrible for their candidacies. And, it, and for an Amy Klobuchar, it might be, if, because she's just beginning to gain some traction. She kind of got endorsed by the New York Times. Um, and... You know, this is a time where you'd probably want to put a likable face if you're her. You'd probably want to, if you, you'd want to have her likable face in front of as many actual people as you possibly could in her situation. Um, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders aren't necessarily running on. You know, they're, they're not running ads like Amy Klobuchar is right now. I get, I've gotten more legislation passed than anybody else. They're not, that's not their message, okay? They're not running on, um, on, the, on a Pax Romana here. Uh, they're running on revolution. And for them, I don't think it's the detriment. This will shock you, David. I have, I have a contrarian opinion. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's the detriment to them as candidates, like the conventional wisdom says. Because what you want, now, depending on what the rules are and whether they permit this, but even if you can just contrive it, get ruled out of order by Mitch McConnell, Okay. I mean, like when Cruz got upset at a budget vote and called McConnell a liar on the floor of the U.S. Senate, like if 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 we had had the Iowa caucuses right there, we'd have won this thing by 15 points. OK. Mm -hmm. And if, so even can have McConnell rule you out of order or have the sergeant of arms carry out 
for condemning Donald Trump to hell, okay? If I'm, if I'm running on revolution and I'm sitting there with the president and or his legal counsel within shouting distance, that's, that's political gold, Jerry, that you can potentially mine. That I think has far-reaching implications more than let me knock on the same dorm hall, women's studies dorm hall at Iowa if I'm Elizabeth Warren. I've been knocking on that since January of last year. It could be if that's if that's allowed and if they have an opportunity to do that. I mean, that's a a, a little bit of a qualifier. Um, I think it would look too disruptive. I don't think it would look presidential. Uh, you might that might work in a, a Republican contest the way it, what you say it would work for uh, Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, but in a Democratic contest, uh, I'm not sure it would uh, it would it would work. I think that they would. Ha- I think they could have to tr- maybe try to come up with something outside. Uh, the Senate chamber. Uh, but I don't think, I'm not sure they're going to have an opportunity to even get the floor to start doing that kind of thing. Um, one of the things that's an advantage to them, you know, they've been campaigning, all of them have been campaigning on that dorm floor for a year. Mm-hmm. And it might make, it might make good sense, get them out of this so that their organization can spend time knocking on other dorm floors mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, moving a candidate around is an enormously logistical hassle. You've got to have advanced staff. You've got to have staff with the campaign moving the candidate around, people at each event. If you don't have a candidate to worry about, you can deploy all those people into field operations, into turnout efforts. And you can be going into places where— Agreed. Where, yeah, you, you, know, you can and, be more amorphous, more flexible. In other words, you want, yeah. you want to get the candidate yeah. out of the way so yeah. you can get some real work done. And— so there may be an advantage there. Also, surrogates. You know, Amy Klobuchar's daughter is going to be coming here to campaign, just for example. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I think her husband. Well, they haven't been that visible. So they're going to show up in a town. And, oh, isn't that neat? They might actually get a little more media attention than another will, umpteenth will, will appearance Rashida by the Tlaib's candidate. Rashida son come here? Because he does apparently all her – gives her her policy advice. Well, she's she not said, running for president. I know. But just I'd, I'd like to meet the guy who tells a U.S. congresswoman <laughs> – what positions she ought to take? We well, can invite him on the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. No, I'm just. I, they, they bring in surrogates, people who might be uh, entertainers, mm-hmm. major performers to fill in, who might actually generate more media attention for them and their message uh, than if you have the you know the 20th visit of Elizabeth Warren to Davenport. I'm not sure I agree with you that in Democratic circles they would view what I'm describing as unseemly, and it has nothing to do with partisan trolling. It's from monitoring their own. I like to monitor enemy communications. I, I'm, I'm aware of what goes on. I can't stomach any cable news, Fox, any of it. Even stuff I agree with, I can't stomach almost any of it except in very limited doses because it, it's almost like, you know, um, watching dueling banjos. All right. But, on, but Twitter is a viable asset for me where I can get enough information without having to inject it into my veins directly of what's going on in the enemy camp, all right? And I can just tell you, David, I, 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 watching their media, they believe that the number one reason they lost to Trump, at least in this portion of, of, of the left does, is that they were out um, antic. They were out um, showmaned. They were out demagogued. And they're constantly begging. I think that's what Van Jones was talking about on CNN after the debate. 
I don't see anybody can stand up to Donald Trump. There's way too much po- po- polity here, policy codicils and modifier A to, you know, clause right. D. I want somebody who can stand up and say, Jane, you ignorant slut. I want somebody who can stand up and say, Mr. Uh, Dan Quayle, I, I, I knew Jack Kennedy. He was a friend of mine. You're no Jack Kennedy. Of course, that guy then went out and lost the election by 10 points. All right. But they, they believe that there's a sizable chunk of their own media that feeds their gene pool that believes the reason they lost to Trump is that he out PT Barnumed them and they're constantly clamoring for this. I don't so I don't think it would it would become the criticism if, to watch Elizabeth to watch Mitch McConnell order Elizabeth Warren out of the Senate hall by the sergeant of arms I think that's a 5 point boost. I don't think that hurts her at all, but I'll let you respond. Um as I said, I'm not sure the rules are going to give them opportunity to do that. Okay. To, clearly have to be a uh, uh something I I can't foresee. I mean I I just I'm not sure how they What do you think? What do you think, Erson? Well, I don't know enough about the rules, but I, I do agree with you about what the... I mean, we've had this long jab, long jam within the party for a long time in polling, and people like Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg are like on their third... trying to clamor for their third boost, their third life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the time when you have to go for such things, and it speaks to what I'm saying about why I, I think, you know, it's they don't have it all figured out, but putting uh, impeachment... Right now, delaying it for how many weeks was it, Steve? That for, for two, for or not two we and a half it? weeks before between when they had the indictment and when they delivered the just articles to get of impeachment. It as close to this as possible, so the candidates just aren't out there on their own talking about policy. And this is what I always said: they, they they need a moment. They don't necessarily know what that moment is, but they need to create the opportunity right. for moments right. so they can strike. And I, I agree. With, I I can't imagine how it would like, be. And think- it would take a great amount of courage. I mean, it's it's. It, Courage to be crazy in the right moment is not an easy thing, even for some of these people to mm-hmm. go that big, that all in. But it might be what it takes. See, I don't yeah, think it okay. helps like an Amy Klobuchar because it goes it it would come across as artificial, contrived. It goes against the way she's packaging and presenting herself. Okay, because she's presenting herself as as the reasonable choice. All right, but. Like if Bernie Sanders were to stand up, Sanders or Warren, and just say, one, yeah. I can't listen to this anymore. I've been telling you this, this guy has been racist for the last year. All right, he hates women. All right, he hates everybody that's not rich, white, and male. And we enough of this. They're not going to do anything about it. This whole thing's a sham. Mitch McConnell can rule me out of order and draw. And blah. dude, he's going to hit thirty on Iowa caucus night because that's that is the harmonic convergence of why he even exists as a political. Uh, entity is a moment. It, it, like it may that. be an opportunity um, for a moment, like you've described, that uh, John Kennedy is a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Moment. A, a, be- a better, a good example was Ronald Reagan in New Hampshire. I'm paying for uh, this microphone. Yeah, yeah. I paid for this microphone. Yeah, which w- was apparently a movie line somewhere. Was it? Uh, yeah. Originally, that's where the, he was t- taking that from. Him. Um, so there are moments like that that don't don't necessarily have to break rules or. But they are provocative moments there, the soundbite moments there, the 140 characters. Uh, you're right. They can fire up your people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm just not sure that this impeachment proceeding is going to be a format where Quickly, they Quickly, because I want to get to Silver. Well, the double minor, you're right. They're finding, trying to find somebody 
who's electable. But what electable means is a different yeah, thing in the people's psychosis than it has yes. been in the past. And yeah. they think they got to go bigger in ways Steve talks about to beat the carnival barker. That's You're both right, but it's how it's going to happen. What does electable mean to them? One thing I got to ask you about this before we let you go. Fascinating development this morning is Hillary Clinton gave an interview to The Hollywood Reporter for a documentary. And this is a quote. He was in Congress talking about Bernie Sanders, who, yeah, they had a difficult fight, but he really didn't hammer her relentlessly in 2016, ended up endorsing her, did several events for her to kind of rally behind her. And so she was asked about Bernie Sanders by The Hollywood Reporter. Here's the quote, quote, he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney. And I feel so bad that people got sucked into it, unquote. How much resonance does this have? Because like on the Cruz campaign, there were some figures in the Republican Party. We, we, were, we were begging for them to attack us because it would just help the brand that we're trying to enforce that we're an insurgent candidacy, a grassroots candidacy. We're not part of the dreaded establishment, right? Does a Bernie Sanders, does, what does that do for a Bernie? What does it do for him to have Hillary Clinton dunking on him like this? Does it help hurt? No impact. Um, I think he can have it both ways. I think it hurts him uh, to have her with, with his ability to tr- maybe attract some women mm-hmm. uh, that are, are supporting Elizabeth Warren who feel that, and there's that, a group of people in the Democratic Party that feel she did get cheated. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another group of people who think she ran a bad campaign, not go to Wisconsin, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's a level, it, it indicates the level of antipathy that was really there, that Bernie Sanders did not come on board with her soon enough. He should have folded his tent earlier so she could have focused and spent more of her time on the general election fight. So there'll probably be some, probably be some people who would, in, inside that Democratic um, family, if you will, who will say, right on. I think you would have some who will say, that's really sour grapes on her part, uh, sore loser kind of stuff. Um, and But I don't think um, – I'm not sure anybody really wins out of that kind of family feud. And there's been a real effort so far in this caucus campaign to keep that down. And it's this, the campaign has gotten so spirited and tense, it's now starting to boil over. That's mm. an example. The whole thing, you're lying about my record. Right. Uh, it's a close race. We've got five minutes left. Give our audience some things around the country. What are some things, trends, X factors, variables to watch these last, 12, these last 13 days? It might give you people a, a hint of what may happen when we start voting here on the 3rd. Um. Well, you have to write the the unforeseen moment, the the surprise that can change. Maybe it's a a, a terrorist attack or something. But there Mm -hmm. are those surprise uh, a a mass shooting that can change the debate, can change the narrative. Something that happens on the the world stage. Um, A second thing would be a mistake. Uh, These candidates are tired. They've been under this white hot light for a couple years now. and some of them may may crack or just simply pop off when they shouldn't. Uh, maybe that thing with uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren was not scripted. She was just angry with him for this. Um, 
uh, and uh, so you, you've got to watch for human moments like that mm-hmm. both ways that, that can diminish a campaign, the gaffe, or that can elevate a campaign. Again, going back to the Reagan thing, Mr. Green, I paid for this microphone, uh, a decisive uh, moment. So watch for those things. I think you have to look for other things, the weather. I mean, we, we I keep all trying can, to tell our audience this. I think they think we're, I'm nuts, but if it's like 50 degrees uh, on February 3rd, that gives you one outcome. If, it, if it's 50 below, and, that could give you another here, one. Here's the political significance of it. 1972, George McGovern is trying to beat Ed Muskie. The anti-war movement was strongly behind Ed Musk, but behind McGovern here in the Iowa caucuses. First time these are a big event. Huge storm in Iowa. The party regulars, eh, Muskie's got it. I'm not going to go out and get cold in this weather. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 35 degree below zero wind chill mm-hmm. factors, okay? Serious cold. And so McGovern did well. He beat expectations. Weather on a caucus night most of the time isn't going to make a difference. But on if it's really bad, the people who show up are the true believers, the zealots. That's true in both parties. Absolutely. The moderates, you know, they're home – That's true in the caucuses in both parties to some extent anyway, because of the the level of intimacy (laughs) and and, and time it takes for you to invest in the process kind of weeds out people that really aren't aren't that invested, but especially if you then throw more mitigating factors. So so you ask what are unforeseen things that could Mm -hmm. happen? We're having a a goofy winter. Uh, That could be that could be another one. It's been fascinating. You have any thoughts, gentlemen? What'd you guys learn here today? David, thank you for joining us. It's always good thank to see you, you, by the way. Uh, thank you for having me. Good you bet. What do you think, Todd? I learned uh, David is still the guy that I want to be when I grow up. I learned that Todd needs a lot higher standards. <laughs> that, that's what I learned. Aaron, what about you? No, this is, I mean, yeah, if I could sound half as as smart as, as David is, then, you know, this this show would be uh, would be lifted out of the ashes. But um, as the, the thing that's really sticking out to me is still the initial tabulation of, of initial preferences yeah. of walking in the door. Caucus night, guys, it's going to be uh, lit, as the kids say. I mean, that... And you got to declare this as you're coming in? And with, with a state, as, as David said, I mean, it's not just caucuses here that are going to be nuts. It's going to be the rest of the country reacting watching this, to it. reacting to it. Yeah. And as David pointed out before, the, the rap on Iowa is that we can't count here, apparently, as well. I mean, it, it's it's going to be... I mean, gird your loins. That's all I got. Those three different reporting numbers. It's like a cry for help from Iowa just to say, please take this from us. We can't anymore. It's too much. This is the I have I have strived very hard or is it striven? I have have, or stroved, uh, whatever the word is, very hard this whole hour to be as objective in analyzing it to give you the most accurate information as I possibly could. But that now I must I must depart from that. Okay, because that accounting mechanism is just leftism in and of we can't. The only thing that could possibly the previous regulations were insufficient. Therefore, the only the only and and everybody hated them. And therefore, the only solution possible are even more regulations that will that even more people will hate. The recounts even be offended by. Yeah, the recounts must continue until morale improves. We have sixty-seven genders, so why don't we have multiple ways of deciding who this winner is? Oh, that's both. That's those are both very good. Both very good. All right, we're back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Forgot where we're working here for a moment. Uh, until then, for the rest of you, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace.
on the Blaze Radio Network. 